With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into Forward Progress. It's week 18 best bets live here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network and powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. We're back to the regular rotation this week. Holiday festivities over. It's myself, Rob Pizzola, Eric Eager in the top right-hand corner, Suma bottom right, Hitman back, bottom left, and made sure that he uh, let us know that he is on a best bet winning streak upon his return with the caption. The leans have been fire, though, Hitman. I mean, uh, how was the holiday break? Skate, skating with the wife, uh, Rockefeller Square, whatever, all that all that went well, a couple weeks off. You know what? During the holidays, I bet, I bet, I bet some more. And I had an okay break. So let's uh, keep it going. All right. We'll keep it going this week. Uh, for those who are new here, it's the usual format. We're going four games this week. Uh, they're not the prettiest games, but games that we have some sort of opinion on here in week 18. If we do get to 100 likes over the course of the stream, we will each add in. Well, I won't say we will each add in, but we're going to discuss futures markets. AFC champion, NFC champion, Super Bowl futures. We'll talk about that towards the end of the show. We need 100 likes over the course of the stream to get to that point. We will end the show with a best bet from each one of us. And of course, as always, we'll try to make this as forward-looking as possible. Not about who we already bet, but giving you as much actionable information as possible going forwards. As usual, we start with a recap. For the second consecutive week, we finished 2-2. Two and two in best bets. I'll be a glass half full guy here because that's four straight weeks of 500 or better. But I got the L, big time L, Pittsburgh, Seattle under. Good market agreement. Unfortunately, that never had a chance. Suma, probably going to have nightmares of the Rams special teams as well for the next decade. Played minus four and a half Rams, closed minus six and a half. Uh, Unfortunately, the CLV doesn't pay the utility bills in Germany uh, right now. So uh, that's an L there. Eric finished 2023 on a high note, easy winner. The Packers Sunday night football, easy winner might be an understatement. That game was uh, that game was over as I made the trip over to my sister's house for New Year's Eve. I turned on the score. I was like, holy shit, what happened here? But Eric cashes that very quickly. And of course, producer Jason put on the spot to give a pick, moves to 2-0 on the year. Jared Stidham and the Broncos get it done for him. I bring that up because his two wins on two picks this season now equals Hitman's two wins on uh, about 100 picks this season. Do you want me to respond to that? <laughs> you, you have the floor if you want to. Let's, let's just move on. Let's get to the leans portion. All right. The leans are bored. A uh, good week for leans again last week. Uh, myself, Hitman took a week off, and unfortunately that cost him the percentage points where the pizza man moves into the top spot here. Uh, but overall, as a group, seven and three on the leans last week. It's been a pretty good year overall for just talking about these games and uh, and giving opinions. So hopefully 
we can get it going again or keep it going again this week. All right, let's get into it. Smash that like button down below and let's start with the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Commanders. Just some news recently out of Washington. Take it for what it's worth. Some people might suggest the Commanders trying to tank in some situation here. But Sam Howell gets the start instead of Jacoby Brissett in this game. The Commanders are limping to the finish line here. Seven straight losses down the stretch. They lost by 17 points last week to the 49ers. Failed to cover as a 14-point dog. The Cowboys have clinched a playoff spot. They can win the NFC East with a victory. They squeaked by the Lions 20-19. Very controversial game in terms of obviously how that played out. Failure to report. Whatever the hell you want to talk about the storyline being in that game. Uh, but that one was certainly an interesting one on Saturday. Now, this one taken off the board based off of the quarterback news. But when it was up there earlier, actually, you know what? We just got a repost right now. We got Dallas minus 13 and a half plus 102 current market at Pinnacle and the total in the game 45 juice to the over at minus 119. Sumo, we'll start things off with you here this week. Big price on the road for the Cowboys. Are you laying it? You look into the underdog commanders, or does this whole Sam Howell situation change things for you a little bit? Yeah, Sam Howell screws me off a little bit. I was looking towards Washington with uh, Jacoby Brissett because I think this is a game for the Dallas Cowboys. Like, get in there to Washington, get the W somehow, get out of that, and prepare for the playoffs. And I think there are a lot of scenarios and uh, like simulations where the where the commanders' offense can move the ball, whether it's uh, towards the end of the game, getting that back backdoor cover, playing simply Yolo ball against a very susceptible Dallas Cowboys defense, terrible against the one, not great against the pass. So I thought that there were or there are some avenues even with Sam Howell where Washington even can uh, uh, score some points there and keep it somehow in that uh, 7 to 13 range. But yeah, I would have preferred it with Jacoby Brissett because Sam Harrell, like, that's also the scenario where, like, when he gets sacked, like, five times in the first half, he gets rattled and he might throw interceptions and the game could out of hand. So I thought there would be, like, a better distribution of outcomes with Jacoby Brissett. Eric, as soon as Suma said uh, there might be some outcomes here with Sam Howell, I saw you shaking your head immediately, like <laughs> almost like you wanted to jump in immediately on the spot. I take it that you have no interest in uh, Sam Howell and the commanders at this point. Well, I figured we could start a tweet thread about incentives because this feels like a perfect one. Um, the first thread, Sam Howell right now leads the NFL uh, in interceptions with 19, uh, you know, you might consider, I mean, he's probably got an incentive in his contract if he leads the league in interceptions. So consider betting over 0.5 picks in this game. He also leads the league in sacks taken at 61. So also consider betting the over on sacks in this one. I don't know the exact number. It hasn't been posted yet, but consider the over sacks. Bet the letter game. on sacks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you got to look to Dallas's defensive line as well and see who has sack incentives. I mean, this is all just coming full circle here. Exactly, exactly. I Look, there's a number of different ways you can bet this one, irrespective of values. Um, no, th this is like this Washington team has made absolutely no effort 
and, and I'm a big Sam Howell detractor. Obviously, I'm actually not. I just said he was a backup quarterback, which is correct. And but they've like made almost no effort to like like nurture Sam Howell. They they kind of put him in like the worst position to succeed. And I think against this Dallas Cowboys offense or defense. Uh, I think it's obviously a, a really bad situation. Howell's last like actually good game was against Dallas uh, on Thanksgiving, where he threw for you know a decent number of yards. He ended up throwing a pick six to Durant Bland at the very end, but for the most part, he was very respectable. Um, and even in that game, they struggled to cover. Uh, it, you know, when I look at this game, I don't really have an opinion on spread uh, or total, but I do think like you know. This is this is going to be a game where I think that there's a decent amount of variance with respect to Howell. Um, I, I I do think that this one could get away from from Washington, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I I that that's the that's the one for me. I, I have a hard time you know seeing seeing Washington being all that competitive, but it was the last game where Howell was actually uh, you know a competent NFL quarterback, so it. it it keeps me away from Dallas in this one, even though I, I can't get on Washington either. Hey, man, I talked to you this morning and and you had indicated a little bit that you had leaned towards Washington in this game. We didn't know who was going to start at quarterback. We talked to Suma. Suma has, you know, basically said that the Howell announcement scares him off Washington a little bit. Are you in the same boat or do you feel, stink, think, excuse me, that there's still value with Washington at this number? Yeah, it, it scares me off just a little bit still lean towards Washington. It's interesting that last week when it was going back and forth on if Hal was going to start or Brissett, like there was market movement based off that info bouncing around. And when Hal got announced as the starter, the market ended up moving towards San Francisco. They ended up closing 14 and a half at Washington. And in this game, it's, there wasn't a ton of movement off of it. Maybe it was just presumed that Hal is probably the quarterback it would be my guess, but um, I think that it's just a little bit of a premium on Dallas at 13 after San Francisco closed 14, 14 and a half last week. Obviously, there's been a lot of Dallas home road splits that have been talked about throughout the entire season. I'm not really a buyer on teams quitting in general, and I don't think that Washington has quit. Like, I know there's a lot of talk like, all right, this is a lame duck coach. He's going to be fired on Monday, but I mean, if there was a time to quit, they got down 27 to seven at half against the Giants. I know Brissett came in for that second half, but they ended up making a comeback in that game and almost won that game. And then against San Francisco last week, even though they lost the game ultimately by 17 points, I didn't think that they quit or there was a lack of effort on Washington's hand in, in that game. And, you know, one thing that I think hasn't been talked about at least enough is that it's not out of the question that Dallas does some scoreboard watching. Like there's a chance that Philly doesn't play guys for the entire game against the Giants. They probably, I lean that they will, but there's at least a chance that the Giants have a lead or something like that. And Dallas does some scoreboard watching and the fourth quarter doesn't, they're just not that aggressive to extend the lead. And even if they're not scoreboard watching and they do have a big lead against Washington, how much faith do you have knowing that they have to play next week, that they're going to continue to be aggressive in the fourth quarter and be motivated to get margin against this team? So I still could only look towards Washington. Yeah, I agree with a lot of the points you made there. And I think all those are valid because there's all sorts of situations that we don't know how the Eagles Giants is going to play out. 
But potentially, who knows, Dallas goes up big early in this game and the Eagles just say, well, Dallas is up big. There's no sense in us continuing to play all of our offensive and defensive starters here. And then they pull them. That leads to Dallas pulling them. Like we've seen these situations in week 18 before where teams are just looking at around the league as to what's happening and then adjusting their strategy in game on the fly based off of that. So, uh, you know, Patrick says live betting wet dream. I agree. I'm going to be very tuned in with live betting here in week 18 in the NFL. Uh, but honestly, I'm not far off being able to play Washington at this point. Maybe I wait and see if it ticks to 14 because it's obviously a much more valuable number. Uh, but generally speaking, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know that you can look to Dallas in this game. All right, we'll move on here. As a reminder, before we do, Pinnacle, a proud sponsor here of the Forward Progress YouTube channel. We would never consider betting without Pinnacle as one of our sportsbook accounts because of their everyday competitive odds. We do have odds scrolling at the bottom of the stream over the course of breaking down all of these games. Oftentimes, you might go to your own sportsbook, the one that you're betting at. You might say to yourself, well, I'm not getting the same odds, not good enough odds to be able to bet what I want to bet in this game. Pinnacle prides themselves on these everyday competitive odds. So bet smart, bet Pinnacle, your trusted sportsbook for the past 25 years. And if you do sign up to Pinnacle in Canada, use code HAMMER, as it does help support us here on Forward Progress. You must be 19 plus, not available in the US. And as always, please play responsibly. We'll move on to the other NFC East game this week as well. The Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants. Philadelphia tied for the lead in the NFC East, uh, but not exactly you know, playing well heading into the final week of the season. They lose as a 12.5-point favorite last week to Arizona. They've now lost four of their last five games. Struggling going into the playoffs, to say the least. The Giants almost pulled off a nice comeback win against the Rams but they fell short 26 to 25. That's their third straight loss in a row. Five and low, five and one though against the spread in the last six games dating back to week 11. Hitman, we'll go over to you here first, looking at the current market in the game. It's the Eagles laying five on the road, total in the game, 41 and a half, juice to the over. Break this one down for us. Do you think the market has has overcorrected on the Eagles here. I know there's very differing opinions on the game and some people looking at this as a Philly buy spot, or do you think that there's still potentially fade material here? Again, like I spoke about with the Dallas game, like I'm not hundred percent confident that Philly plays guys. Like there's a lot of talk around Philly about that. Even though they need to win and Dallas needs to lose to get the two seed and win the division. Like there's talk about resting guys with Philly. So I don't see how you bet Philly right now. Obviously, like if they did end up resting guys for the entire game, this line's going to move drastically. I mean, what do I what do I think happens? I think that Philly ends up playing guys at least for the first half, and they do a lot of scoreboard watching. And if it becomes apparent that Dallas is going to win the game, they end up pulling the plug on on their starters. So, I I think that it's Giants or nothing. To, to be honest. Um, and even if the Eagles, like, let's say they do play their guys the whole game. Like there's been a defense that's like completely bottoming out. And like one of the biggest concerns I have with the Eagles defense right now is we all know how bad their past defense has been like the entire year, but their run defense allowed 221 yards to Arizona. They're 27th in yards per carry 
allowed to opposing running backs since week 11, just overall and defensive EPA, their 30th since that time. And against the Eagles, they allowed a 68% or excuse me, against the Cardinals, they allowed a 68% passing success rate to an Arizona team that was ranked 29th year to date in that category. Like this defense has some serious problems. Tyrod Taylor has obviously been a significant upgrade off of DeVito. So, I mean, it's giants or nothing for me right now until we get any confirmation about what Philly's going to do with their starters. But I'll say this, like, I think that it's better than a non-zero percent chance that Philly doesn't play guys. I mean, I think they will, but Sirianni's come out and said that they're considering it. I've heard through some other Philly people that I talked to that, like, it's a serious consideration. So for me, I, I would lean towards the Giants. Interesting. Uh, Suma, for this one, I mean, you got a firsthand look at the Giants last week fading them and it seemed like a lot went right for them in that game to hang around with the Rams. In this particular matchup, is this something that like you potentially look at fading the Giants again, or, or do you think Hitman's points are valid in the sense that you just don't really know what the Philly motivation is going to be like for the majority of the game? I think both. So um, Hitman is right. So there's a scenario in which uh, the Eagles rest their starters or some of their starters. Uh, I mean, Devonta Smith is already like super banked up. Don't expect him to play. Um if they play their starters and they take this game serious, I mean, there could also be the, the thought process like nothing's working on defense, offense has not been clicking, maybe try to get a get-right game, feel-good game be before the playoffs start. I think in that scenario, the, the number might be a tad short, in my opinion, because they closed minus 14 two weeks ago and the um, Giants needed a lot of like fuckery, um, interception, return, touchdown, short touchdown after a fumble to stay at uh, minus eight um, scoring in the end. So I think that if Eagles don't rest Staras and take this game serious, I would like them at this uh, current number, but um, simply don't know. I, 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 I just don't see Tyra Taylor again, like throwing like some lucky bombs down the field to, to Darius Slayton and uh I just think that um, the Eagles at full strength might be a, a little bit better than the current market price. Eric, there's a question here in the chat. Um, any chance the Giants pull their starters to maintain draft? It's funny that we even think about this, but I mean, is it a realistic possibility? Yeah. I mean, we've seen this a number of times before. And, you know, the fact is, is the other, the other leak in this entire thing is that Tyrod Taylor is not exactly a quarterback that has stayed all that healthy over the course of his career. So there is a leak of, you know, the fact that he could also just bow out of the game with an injury as well. The the one part, and I, I don't have a, a, a particular lean on this game, um, but the, the thing that we're missing is, and, and this is maybe just me smarting from the fact that I laid the points uh, in last week's show with the Rams and I'm irritated about it, but the Giants have covered the last couple of weeks in large part based upon what Suma said, which is, some luck like Gunnar Oshelski with like maybe the, the slowest punt return for a touchdown in the history of humankind. Uh, you also had Darius Slayton getting deep in two straight games when he's literally just never done anything over the past two years. Um, you also had the interception return for a touchdown as, as he said as well. I don't know. The giants have been plucky, but I wouldn't necessarily say they've been fundamentally all that great over the past few weeks. The Eagles have had their own issues though. 
their offense has actually been fairly efficient the past few weeks, uh, even more so than they have been over the first part of the season. Their defense has just been an absolute joke. And to, to Hitman's point, you don't know if they're going to play people. The one part that I would I would caution against, though, is the Falcons and and the Bucks have, or sorry, the Falcons and the Saints have been truly bad NFC South teams. The two easiest schedules in the league, probably both going to finish eight, nine, or worse. The Bucks are not actually a bad football team. They have played like a, a kind of, you know, a hard schedule as the as the league goes. If the Eagles are optimizing to play the Bucks, I think that they're being kind of stupid because I I actually do not think that this Eagles team, if they're resting their starters to play the Bucks, are actually being all that smart. And I do not think that the Eagles organization is. I think the Eagles organization is sharper than to rest their starters and to play Tampa Bay next week. So I'll I'll just caution against that and, and say that I actually think there's a probably a better than average chance that they try to win this game and hope for a miracle in Washington and they win that division because I do think the Bucks are actually a much better team than everybody else gave the NFC South division winner uh, credit for at the beginning of the year. Uh, This one is a weird one for me because obviously we saw these teams play a few weeks ago. The the market price, the closing price on that game was very different. That was DeVito starting. Tyrod Taylor came in relief of DeVito in that game. So you do have to give the Giants an upgrade. But honestly, like I I think the Eagles are not good. Like their their defense is bad to the point where I don't think that they can be laying these numbers anymore because they just constantly give up scores. I mean, if we just look at their defense over the course of like the past five or six past five games, I have them ranked 30th in EPA adjusted for opponent 30th in success rate adjusted for po- opponent. The only teams worse in that span, Seattle and Washington. If I look at them for the year as a whole, now I have them 23rd and 25th in those respective categories. Like this is a defense that in my opinion, last year they could win these games by margin rather easily because their defense was able to hold up and generate pressure. But at these types of prices, I'm not with it on the Eagles anymore. So I have a pretty strong lean to the Giants here. I don't know if this is the number. I mean, it isn't the number that I'm going to bet the Giants at. Um, but I, I mean, if you force me to pick one side or another in this game, it's going to be the New York Giants. So definitely differing opinions on this one. Um, before we get into game number three, if you do enjoy the content he, here on Forward Progress, don't forget to hit that like button down below. If we get to 100 likes, we'll talk futures at the end of this show today. Make sure you're subbed here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel. We're like 80 subs behind our college partners on Hit the Books, Brad Powers and Joey Kanish. Brad Powers, stand-up guy. I have no problems being defeated by him. Joey Kanish, complete opposite. Complete opposite. So make sure you're subbed here on Forward Progress. Let's get us on top of those jabronis, or at least that one jabroni, over on the Hit the Books channel. Your support means the world to us. If you're listening to this after the fact, kindly leave us a review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to as well. All right, we're switching divisions here. Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers, NFC North. The Bears have won two games in a row. They've won four of their last five. They picked up a pretty big win last week, covering his two and a half point favorites. They blew Atlanta out of the water in that game. The Packers now up to eight and eight. 
very Jekyll and high team this year. Definitely a roller coaster of a team. But Eric on them last week, destroying the Minnesota Falcons, uh, excuse me, Minnesota Vikings as one point favorites. Uh, uh, you're fine. <laughs> Current market price at Pinnacle Packers minus three. Key number, total 44. Key number. So we're sitting on two key numbers here. Eric, because you were on Green Bay as your best bet last week, I'll throw to you here first. Are you returning to the well with the Packers, or is this the opportunity to potentially fade Green Bay? Yeah, I think I think this has swayed a little bit probably too far in the direction uh, of Green Bay. Um, you know, the Chicago Bears, I think one of the best-kept secrets of the last probably month of the season is that the Chicago Bears have a legitimately good defense. Um, you know, Montez Sweat over the past, you know, ever since he's gotten there, you're talking about a guy with 36 total pressures per PFF in just 252 pass rush, uh, you know, snaps. He's been involved in eight sacks. Uh, he's, you know, got 13 stops in the run game. He's been an incredibly good edge setter for them, which was always a problem uh, for them in the in the run game. Uh, the two linebackers that they've, they they acquired in free agency have both been at, at times really good. And then the secondary of Tyreek Stevenson, who had a tremendous game last week against Atlanta. Um, uh, they've been a legitimately good defense. And, and we've seen, you know, Jordan Love has put up, you know, tremendous numbers this year. We have uh, the, one of the few quarterbacks uh, in NFL history that has hit a bunch of benchmarks in year one as a starter. But the inconsistency there, the, when you look at, you know, Jordan Love's numbers, you're talking about very high dot. You're talking about uh, relatively low completion percentage at times. Um, and so with that, you get variance that uh, I don't necessarily know is fitting of being favored by a number uh, like this in a spot like this. So um, couple that with, you know, young receivers like they have, uh, couple that with young tight ends like they have and an offensive line, which has played okay, um, but is coming off of playing a defense um, that, you know, co you know, coordinated by Brian Flores that has, you know, been up and down and kind of smoke and mirrors. I, I just don't think that the Packers warrant this kind of respect uh, on the market. So I, I think bears plus three uh, is, is a, is a pretty good number, uh, you know, to take, to take Chicago here. All right, Eric, making the case for the bears uh, Hitman, thoughts on this one. Yeah, I agree with everything that Eric had to say. So um, credit to TA for this stat, but over the last 20 years, teams that need to win to get in against teams that are playing for nothing, they're 37% against the spread. So, like, I feel like this spot obviously gets baked into the line um, a, a little bit. And then you have the fact that like Chicago, we it's, we just know they're not going to lay down. It's full motivation and a rivalry against Green Bay. And then another stat that on the Green Bay side on their defense, which I actually seen on um, one of our followers page, is that against the Chiefs, Giants, Bucks, and Panthers, Green Bay allowed an explosive play on 16% of their opponent's plays, which essentially turned these four offenses into the 49ers over the entire season, what their numbers are for year to date. So, and then you look at like, all right, well, what happened? The Chiefs, after they played Green Bay, their offense has been a, not good against the Raiders and their other matchups. The Giants, Tommy DeVito was the quarterback that game. He played six quarters against the Saints and the Eagles after that and did absolutely nothing. The Panthers, Bryce Young threw for 300 yards against this defense, went up against Jacksonville the next week, who also has a really bad pass defense, and he threw for something un like under four yards per attempt. 
So I don't think that last week's game against the Vikings is anything to show us that this defense is back. It's still a bad defense that Green Bay has. They have injuries to their wide receivers, Jaden Reed. Dontavian Wicks is dealing with a high ankle sprain. That tends to linger throughout an entire season. And even if he plays, it compromises how good they are. And then Christian Watson, who knows at this point what he's if he's going to be available for this game. The Bears' defense since week five is third in, EP, in EPA per play. Their first in explosive play rate allowed, which is pretty big against Jordan Love, who has been very willing to stretch the field vertically. And their first in run defense also. So I, I just think that this Chicago team is still just a little bit undervalued in this spot. So I like Chicago also plus three. All right. That's two for two so far on the Bears side in this one, Suma. Uh, I see Patrick in the chat comparing this to uh, the week 18 Lions situation from last year. Uh, again, team that's, you know, playing for nothing, trying to spoil the party for uh, another team. Do you see this as a similar situation this year? Yes. And to be honest, I don't really know what I can add here because these guys made all the points that I also wanted to make. Maybe a, a few more things. So, so I completely agree. I think like from a motivational standpoint, this is the Chicago Bears Super Bowl of the season. Like they have like a 0.1% chance to get in, but they don't care. They want to go to Lambeau Field and keep the vibes going and spoil the Packers playoff hopes. I truly believe that they will be like a 110% motivated. And and something to add here, Bears, we talked about the defense. They arguably have the best one defense in the league right now. And what's interesting is that I didn't have last week's data, but from week nine to week 16, they are also by far the best play action defense in the league. And offenses don't even try to run a lot of play action against them. They have only faced 26 play action attempts, second um, uh, least amount over that stretch. And only six of those 26 attempts were successful. So they are playing the one very well. They, they are playing... Uh, defending plagues very well. I think that will take uh, some some stuff away of what the Packers want to do. And this is still a very, very young offense, young receiving group, banged up. We don't know whether Jane Reed is going to play. I, I, I think Green Bay has always been very conservative. So I also don't think that there's a high chance that Christian Watson will be back. So young receiving group against a really, really stout defense. And on the other side, like, do you see a lot of scenarios where Joe Barry stops like this, this Bears offense? Like Justin Fields has not been great, especially as a passer or the, over the second half of the season. I think that the hype is, is a little bit overblown, but the way this Bears offense plays, the way that they can stretch defenses horizontally, I think that it's a, a very bad matchup for the Packers defense. And I would not be surprised if the Bears look very comfortable on offense. Yeah, it's not just the Joe Barry situation. It's it's Joe Barry with this personnel in, in the secondary, in my opinion. Like Even when you add Jair Alexander back to the mix for the Packers, with Eric Stokes on IR, with Rasul Douglas traded, like you're relying on Carrington Valentine and Keyshawn Nixon as guys who are going to shut down other receivers. And like I hate to break it to you, they're not going to do it. I mean, PFF grades are not the, the best measure in the world of, of impact. But if we're looking at corners this year, Valentine's 86th, Keyshawn Nixon is 84th. And those are guys who are going to see the field pretty regularly over the course of this game. So uh, I'll make it a clean sweep here uh, for the forward progress team in terms of uh, I think the Bears are the valuable bet in this game. Uh, I think three is a, is a very solid price 
uh, to grab with Chicago in this one. Before we get into our final game here, the ultimate showdown is here. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Hitman versus Cleve TA. Head-to-head in the ultimate NFL trivia bracket. That will be out this Friday over on the Hammer HQ on YouTube. So head over to the Hammer HQ. Make sure you're excuse me, subscribed there. Hit that notification bell. And as soon as that goes live on Friday, we are crowning the winner of our NFL knowledge here at Forward Progress. Hitman or Cleve TA? Last few matchups, very intense. Hitman, you already know what's going to go down. This is apparently in the books already. Yeah, I mean, listen, I took down, I'm Hulk Hogan. I took down Andre the Giant and Eric Eager. So next opponent. I've been trying to, to lose me, some weight, but yeah. The, the next opponent to put in front of me is like Randy Savage <laughs> or the Ultimate Warrior or something like that. I think I could take it down, uh, one of those guys down too. So I'm ready for the finals. All right, the link is in the comments below. If you do want to subscribe to that, that's out on Friday, Friday afternoon. And poor Eric. I mean, he just, he was in, yeah, he was inconsolable after he lost to Hitman. As uh, I mean, I, I, I was kind of inconsolable knowing that Hitman was going to the finals. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, I take a lot of pride in his suffering, but uh, hopefully, hopefully this one lives up to the hype. Friday on the Hammer HQ. Another game that we're hoping lives up to the hype is Sunday Night Football this week. Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium, 8.20 Eastern time on NBC. Buffalo winners of four straight games. They've pulled themselves in position to win the AFC East. They squeaked by the Patriots last week. They didn't cover the spread, but they got the job done. Josh Allen, three interceptions in that game. Kind of an ugly performance, but a win is a win. The Dolphins. They lose 56-19 to against the Baltimore Ravens. A disaster of a game for them. Tua didn't look right. I mean, really the lone bright spot for them was, was Devon A-Chain in that game who had 107 total yards. Aside from that, just a catastrophic performance as a whole for the Dolphins. Suma, we'll go to you for Sunday Night Football here. Current market at Pinnacle. Bills minus three, minus 105 in this game. Total is 50 Break it down for us. Bills, Dolphins, Sunday Night Football. Who do you like and why? Yes, great, great game. Um, I would hope to see a little bit more Dolphins money because I would entertain a bet on the Bills at uh, anything under three. Um, I think that the Bills team, yes, their offense has been struggling in, in recent weeks, especially their, their passing offense. But I still think that I would expect some regression upwards in that department. Um, and what I like about the Bills is that their defense is really, really back to a decent level, back healthy. Dequan Jones is back. He's been one of the best defensive tackles in the league up to up, up to the London game where he tore his pectoral, I think. Um, Tyrell Dodson is having a, a very decent, surprising season in the absence of Matt Milano. Their secondary is healthy. I think Russell Douglas was a very good uh, mid-season addition. And they are facing a Dolphins offense that has not really been playing up to that elite standard or elite level. Like when you go back a few weeks, they had that one great game against Washington. But other than that, they have not really been that elite offense they 
scored 30 points on the Jets, but a lot of that was aided by like short fields and turnovers. They they struggled against the better defenses in the league. Jalen Waddle, he went to a walkthrough today, but coming off a high ankle sprain. So I would be surprised if he plays. And if he plays, I would be very surprised if he's not limited to like a, a, a certain snap count. So um, they are going to face a very disciplined, zone-heavy builds defense with some injuries up front of, of their offensive line. Uh, Tura has not been that great against these these kind of defenses. We also saw it in the in the first matchup, and I think that the Bills defense will also be able to defend the one, and then they will make it very very hard on on, on Tua in the pocket. And I, I just don't see a great Dolphins offensive op- output here. And then on the other side. Um, no Bradley Chubb, no Jalen Phillips. I think that really takes some air out of this Dolphins defense when you miss um, your your top tier pass rushers. Because since Jalen Ramsey was back, I've, I think there was a great cohesion between the secondary and the pass rush. Pass rush did not get home that much early in the season. Now you add a little bit more flavor in the in, in the secondary. Uh, teams are not throwing too much on Jan Ramsey's side. Now the pass rush has more opportunities, can, can get more coverage sacks, more coverage pressures. And now you basically take away s- some of these elements. Um, I think Josh Allen will have success. I think that the Bills will be able to run the ball a little bit. So all in all, I'm leaning towards the Bills here. They're soft minus three. So Suma leaning towards the Bills. Hitman, you are leaning the opposite way in the game. Uh, Make the case for Miami here. Yeah, I just think that, you know, if you looked at the market ratings on these teams, like as recently as last week, like Miami's favorite at home in this spot. Now, obviously, the injuries have changed everything in this game. And that's but that's why the line has moved as much as it has. And I just think that going through key numbers and getting up to three, just a little aggressive. Um, I'm going to monitor. I haven't even bet this yet, and I'm going to monitor the injury report. Obviously, uh, Chubb and Phillips are out for the year. Uh, Xavier Howard is out for this game. I'm going to monitor the Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, Javon Holland, the offensive line, Jerome Baker, Tua. We, we got to monitor all that and see how it shakes out. But if, if there is maybe some positive injury news, I think that the line probably only could go towards Miami, in my opinion. I just think that these injuries are accounted for with Buffalo at minus three right now. And, I, you know, Buffalo, their offense, like it hasn't been super pretty during this winning streak. Like, yes, they had 6.4 to 4.2 yards per play against the Chargers, but they still needed a game-winning field goal drive to win as 13-point favorites against Easton stick in the chargers against new England 5.5. They lost the yards per play 5.5 to 4.1. They, the turnover battle, new England lost four to one and it still ends up being a six point game. Josh Allen hasn't really been his dominant self during this winning streak. Stefan Diggs, like who knows what's up with him right now. He's running, he's playing two thirds of the snaps. He ran only 26 of 35 routes last week. And obviously Buffalo doesn't have the best depth at playmakers next to Diggs. So for me, it's it's just a little bit high. But like I said, I, I haven't even bet Miami now, and it's more of just monitor the injury report. But it's it's just a slight lean towards Miami right now. 
All right, we got differing opinions on the sides here between Suma and Hitman. Eric, you wanted to talk a little bit about the total in this game. Yeah, I I like under in this one, and I know I'm getting a little bit of resistance uh, from when I initially made my opinion. But like when I look at when I'm looking at, and I know like you said, PFF grades are not the be all end all. Although I think along the offensive and defensive front, they do a better job than in the secondary and at receiver. There's one starting offensive lineman on either team that has a PFF grade above 75, and that's Teron Armstead, a left tackle. And for all we know, he might go out after 10 plays knowing his history. So the the offensive lines for both of these teams are incredibly tenuous. Um, The other thing that we know is that, you know, what – in order to get a total in, in today's NFL to go over, you need explosive plays. And these teams have been less explosive uh, or have given up less explosives than you think. Buffalo, as far as chunk plays, so plays over 20 yards in the passing game, have been basically middle of the pack. As And Miami has been you know, just inside the top 10. Miami's pretty good uh, as far as chunk plays in the run game, 15 yards or more. Uh, they're top five in the league. But Buffalo has actually been pretty good uh, as has Miami at giving uh, yeah, Buffalo hasn't been that good at not surrendering them, but Miami has only given up, uh, you know, 13 of them all year, which is in the top five. So I think both teams, you know, match up pretty well as far as, uh, you know, playing this game to the under uh, in this one. And so when I look at this game, like 50 is a lot of points, especially considering, you know, Jalen model being out, uh, you know, Buffalo plays kind of a contained style defense in the passing game. Rasul Douglas is kind of one of those like perfect zone corners to your point. Uh, Tua's arm strength is not going to be nearly as good as it as it normally is. Uh, and then, you know, possibly no Jalen Waddle as well. Uh, you know, I, I I have yet to find somebody who hates somebody as much as Joe Brady hates Stephon Diggs. So I, I think that there's just simply a, a lot of things aligning for this. Sure, early in the season, you looked at that game 48-20. Game played totally to the over, but I think a lot has changed over the course of this season, over the last 13 weeks, uh, to for this game to play well to the under here. And there's a last part of this as well. Mike McDaniel has is very much a a a, a you know progressive go for it that kind of coach. I, I think Sean McDermott in the favorite role is going to play to the defensive kind of style you know coach that is going to play to an under in this game. And so that's, that's also like sort of the last pit of this uh, handicap for me is that I think the, the coach of the favorite team is going to play sort of to the lower scoring element of this game. A lot of comments in the chat, Matthew, Buffalo offense is no bueno. Uh, Ekshesh, Buffalo offense, low key, not good. Cottage, maybe the boys can give their thoughts on Buffalo offense is low key, not good. Uh, depends on how you define good, because I think Buffalo's offense is above average. The thing for me with the Buffalo Bills is that there's been a complete transformation from what we typically think of the Bills, which is this high-flying explosive offense. Last year, having some issues on defense, they could be beat for big plays. It To me, it's completely flipped now, where the offense is like, there is no explosiveness. If they're going to work down the field, it's methodical. And the defense is the, is the, you know, the side of the ball that's making the plays. I, I agree with Eric here. I think that this total is too high. But there's like so much uncertainty in this game as well, which I don't know is is baked into this. Like it's not baked into this total, in my opinion. Like Josh Allen has a stinger. Like he's got a neck injury right now that he's dealing with. And he sucked last week. He was horrendous. So I don't know that it it matters. 
but I think there's a non zero percent chance that it doesn't matter. You got Tua dealing with a shoulder injury. Okay, Jalen Waddle, he could return. What's a wide receiver going to look like one week off of a high ankle sprain? Like that's a huge performance impact. And they play next week, no matter whether or not they win the division. Are they bringing Waddle back and risking further injury when they know they have to play next week? There's just too many things here uh, that, I, I mean, I agree with a Eric's handicap as a whole, uh, but I, I think Buffalo is very quietly shifted to this under model team. I bet the over against the Patriots last week. This is not to pat myself on the back. The number was low, but it was so incredibly lucky because of all those turnovers that were happening on, you know, in great field position over the course of that game. So uh, I'm with Eric here. We're split on the side, uh, but I do like the under in this game. All right, guys, before we get into best bets, let's break down the futures market heading into the playoffs here um, at Pinnacle Sportsbook. Um, whether it's the AFC champion, the NFC champion, Super Bowl futures, anything that stands out to anyone here as we have the odds up on screen uh, as something that might be worth playing heading into the playoffs. Suma, uh, I'll throw it to you here first. One team that you maybe are a little bit higher on than market that you think that they have a better chance than the odds indicate here. The only thing that really pops up for me a, a, a little bit is Rams uh, plus 2130 to win the NFC. Um, I think I'm slightly higher on the Rams in, in general. And I think when you look at the NFC playoff picture, like where is the great defense? Like the Rams have a borderline top 10 offense, veteran coaching staff, veteran quarterback, Cooper Cup, Pukanakua, great run game with Kyron Williams. That offense can get hot on like any given weekend in the playoffs. And then you are facing um, the, the defenses of, of the likes of the Cowboys who are not great, the Detroit Lions, Eagles maybe, who cannot defend anything. 49ers, still the best defense, but also not that great this year. So I think there's a path where the Rams can hit some some decent variance on offense and just score enough points to keep a lot of these playoff games or potential playoff matchups competitive. All right. Uh, Suma likes the Rams. That was something that I had looked at as well. My fair value on that was like plus 1960, which is really only a, a 0.3% edge to put it into perspective. But I honestly, in the futures markets, you're not going to tend to find super high value. Uh, I'm kind of in agreement there. I'll share another one as well. But Hitman, anything for you that you think is worthwhile here? Could you show me the AFC odds again real quick? Yeah, we'll get those up there. So Baltimore favored 121, I mean, Buffalo 384. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo being ahead of Kansas City when there's a realistic chance that if Buffalo loses as a three-point favorite that they won't even be in the playoffs. That strikes me as probably the worst value on the board right now. And if I was to make a forced play, you know, I feel like I say this every single season for like the past five years, but Kansas City at plus 450, I mean, you've given Patrick Mahomes probably the best defense that he's had throughout his entire tenure. Like there could be a path, like even though the offense isn't what it used to be, like if Kansas City can hold teams into the 20s, which they've shown throughout the year that they're more than capable of, and Mahomes with this team, like – for once, he doesn't have to be Superman. Like He has to play better than what he's played, especially towards the end of this year, but he doesn't have to be Superman to win with this team. So uh, I'll give Kansas City a look. 
Eric, was that a fist pump because you're a Chiefs fan, or is that a fist pump because you think that there's some value there as well? Yeah, I make it. I make it plus four hundred fair, um, which it's at SumerSports.com if you want to look at that. Like, there, there's a number of reasons why. Um, a, they they're not playing anybody really this week, so there's like a little bit of a lack of like. There's oh, for a lot of those teams to to Hitman's point those numbers can only get worse after after this week for a lot of those teams. But for the Chiefs, they can really only get better. Um, but the other one, and and to the point, like there's a couple things that that play in the Chiefs' favor. Like they're a bottom five team in terms of um, penalty EPA delta, and they're a bottom five team uh, in terms of turnover EPA delta, which I, which I think some people will say, well, they're just a sloppy team. But – those are pretty variable week to week, right? Like they've given up, they they went three quarters without giving up a completion two weeks ago. And then they w- gave, went three quarters without giving up a point last week, but they haven't forced any turnovers in those games either. And so everybody's talking about how those games are too close for comfort. But like to Hitman's point, they have a great defense, but they're not blowing teams out because they're not forcing turnovers. Like that could very well just regress to the mean and like have them win the game comfortably in the playoffs. They're also to, to the point before, which is actually like a fairly stable thing. They've, they and Cleveland are tied for giving up the fewest passing plays of over 20 yards this season at 37. So their, their defense is incredibly good at not surrendering the things that kill you. If, if the best player in the world can just elevate his play by like five to 10%, like this team could actually legitimately win the AFC. And so I do, I, I like that bet a lot. I'm not just trying to be a homer. Like it's, it's incredibly painful to watch their games this year. Like I'll admit that, but like there, I do think it's actually a pretty good number uh, for, for all the reasons that, that Hitman said. Um, This is, I mean, this might be square. It might not be square, but I ran a full sim before we did the show today. I showed two edges. One was the one that Suma game, which was Rams to win the NFC. The other one, was the San Francisco 49ers to win the Super Bowl at plus 230. Plus 230 is an implied probability of 30%. For those that don't know, I have them closer to 33.5% in the plus 200 range to win the Super Bowl this year. I I mean, listen, I I just really think that they're far and away the best team in the NFC, and I don't know that they're going to face much resistance in the NFC this season. Um, so that's the one for me that stands out. I, I mean, I think we just get them off of that Baltimore game a few weeks ago where now everyone's questioning them because of that. I still think that they're by far the most complete team overall. So that's the one for me that stands. I'm curious, Eric, you got the numbers up at uh, at Sumer as well. What do you guys make the, the 49ers to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, we make them fair to win the Super Bowl. We make them two to one. Okay, so you would be in, yeah, you you'd have value at plus two thirty as well because you're at you're at plus two hundred. Yeah, I just I, I I just yeah I I gravitate towards the Chiefs just because I had a bunch of narratives that I thought made sense there, but I mean the Niners, it, it's just boring to say it, and but actually somebody had the question I think it was Kevin Clark today on or this week on Twitter which said like if your life depended on it which four teams would you actually have to uh you know would you stake and like it and and I, I think the right choice is is those four which would be like san francisco baltimore probably you know dallas but like would you actually make it san francisco and three afc teams 
I wouldn't. So I, I saw a lot of that going around this week, and, and I was personally cheesed that no one was including the Cowboys as, as their top four. I think the Cowboys have a better chance to win the Super Bowl than the Bills. The Bills can, might not even make the playoffs. And, but, and but, I honestly but, think Rob, Dallas is better than Buffalo. On, on Mike McCarthy executing a four-minute drill. But it's probably going to only be against San Fran. That's true, like, true. that's that's the thing. It's like, ah, uh, I mean, there's every, yeah, I, everyone I has kind of got yeah, the but, same four, right? But I, yeah. I'm 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 different there. True. I I think my only issue with the Cowboys is like the situational stuff. Would the situation? I get the yeah. I I get what you're saying, but the situational stuff for the Cowboys kills me every time. Fair enough. I know there's some disagreement on how I price uh, I price San Fran there. To each their own, people. You're allowed to bet your own money. You can do whatever you want. I'm just saying that that's, uh, that's my price on the game. And uh, candidly, I just don't see very many uh, resisting forces in the NFC or, or really in the league right now uh, to the 49ers. All right, guys. Let's get into the best bets for this week. Before we do that, just want to remind everyone of our schedule on forward progress. Our final live watch along of the season, the regular season, comes on Sunday night for Bills Dolphins. So I'll be live on air 11 a.m. Eastern time in the morning for Pizza Buffet and then live on air on Sunday night. Beginning next week for the playoffs, this show will be moving to Thursday afternoon at the same time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. So typically we're on Wednesdays. Starting next week, it's going to be Thursdays. We're typically going to have less games to work with over the course of the playoffs. This allows us to hit prop markets as well. Talk about everything, alternative markets in the game. And those are just a little bit more widely available on Thursdays rather than Wednesdays. So that's the reason for the move. Make sure that you adjust your calendars accordingly, but make sure you're subscribed to your on forward progress. And if you just hit that notification bell, you get alerted anyways in real time. All right. As is tradition here with best bets, we do tend to start with last week's winners first. Dr. Eric Eager, you're up to start 2024. Who's the best bet and why? I'm going to go with the AFC East championship game, which is Sunday Night Football uh, in Miami. I'm going to go with the under in Buffalo, Miami. Uh, I think it's good to 49. Uh, we got a shield off the uh, the seven touchdowns there. Just that's a joke. Um, but yeah, I think look, the offensive lines for both teams uh, are not particularly good. Uh, in the case of Buffalo, I think that's mostly by design. I think in the case of Miami, it's mostly because of injuries. Uh, the Bills have done a good job of patching together their defense post injury. The Rasul Douglas trade has been uh, a revelation for them. Miami uh, is not going to have much uh, in the way of a deep ball. Uh, with the Tua Tungavailoa injury uh, to his shoulder, as well as the Jalen Waddle injury. Um, I also think that uh, Miami's done a pretty good job uh, of limiting explosive runs. They've been top five in that. James Cook has been really the source of offense for Buffalo uh, over the past month and a half. I think they'll be able to limit that pretty well uh, as well. And I think Miami's going to try to run with Devin Achan, uh, and I think Buffalo is going to limit that. Buffalo hasn't seemed all of that interested in getting Stephon Diggs, uh, you know, involved. And unless it's the one out of every four games where Gabe Davis goes off, I don't think they're going to be all that explosive uh, in the passing game. So uh, I think this one uh, is an is an under game. 
Um, lastly, uh, we've seen Sean McDermott, uh, you know, backslide quite a bit on the fourth down uh, wokeness that he's had uh, over the past few years. And with a division title, their fourth straight on the line, I think he's going to play it closer to the vest uh, and pump those punts uh, near midfield, um, which is going to be tough uh, in today's NFL to go over uh, when when you're trading, uh, you know, punts uh, when when, uh, you know, those touchdown drives need to actually happen. So I like under 50 here. All right, Eric's betting the under on our live watch along Sunday night football, Bills and the Dolphins. Next, we go not to the losers, but to the person who was off last week. Now, this is going to be a first in forward progress, best bet history. Hitman was going to give a best bet. It went off the board because of news. It has reopened in some spots, but is not open at Pinnacle right now. So we're going to let him give two best bets on this week's show. This allows him to try to inch closer towards Suma. I like that for the angle of the show, but also gives him a chance to redeem himself. So bet number one is going to be a market consensus price. And bet number two is going to be a price that is available at Pinnacle Sportsbook. So we'll throw to you, Hitman, two best bets this week. Let the people know what you like and why. All right. So I like the Niners against the Rams, whatever market consensus price, good with me. So I wish Deshaun McVay would have waited to say that Carson Wentz was starting this game because I had a pretty good feeling since Sunday night that that was going to happen and there were some better prices out there. But I still think that this is short. And a lot of the reason that this is short right now is because there's so much unknown about what San Francisco is going to do with their starters. We know that the Rams are not going to play a lot of their main starters. Probably Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup won't play, especially because they just signed a wide receiver to the active roster. With San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan's never been in this spot before where he was going to have the, the bye week or where he could rest starters before the bye week. And he said that Mike Shanahan, his father, that he believes that it costs them a third Super Bowl by the fact that Denver sat starters before the bye week back in the 90s. He said that John Lynch, who's very close to Tony Dungy, spoke about how he believes that the Colts were cost Super Bowls by sitting starters and with the bye week coming up. I just think that based off how adamant Shanahan's been about this, we're going to see the San Francisco starters, at least for the first half. I'm sure Christian McCaffrey's not going to play, probably no Trent Williams, but Debo Samuel's already come out and said that he's going to be playing in this game. I suspect that we're at least going to get starters for the first half, which in that case, we're getting San Francisco starters against the Rams backups for the first half. First half line probably should be at least something around seven if that ends up being the case before they give way to Sam Darnold. In the second half, I just think that it's underpriced based off the speculation that San Fran might not play guys. And I think that San Fran does ultimately end up playing guys, at least for the first half. So that's bet, best bet number one. And best bet number two, we spoke about it earlier, Chicago Bears plus the three. All right. Two bets from Hitman here. And the logic is there. If you think that San Fran is going to play starters for a portion of this game, price is undervalued. One thing I'll add to that as well is the Rams' depth has got to be one of the worst in the NFL, in my opinion. Just looking at their depth chart, once you start to get backups there, uh, pretty rough as well. So Hitman, two bets this week. 
Suma, over to you. Who's the best bet this week and why? We will hopefully make it a clean sweep on the season. Uh, I think Hitman's and mine consensus best bets are 1-0 and on the season with the Vikings earlier this season. I will also go with the Bears here um, for all the reasons that we have mentioned. Um, Packers offense have been great, but this is a tough test against a super stout Bears defense that defends the one well, defends play action well. And on the other side, I don't really see how this Packers defense worth Joe Barry at DC will defend the Bears dual threat rushing attack. I think Bears offense should be fine and they might be well equipped to play spoiler here. All right. Two Bears back to back um, a match on that one. Uh, it's been hit or miss this year, but I think you're right. I think when you guys have paired up, it's been uh, winners in the past. So hopefully another winner there. I'll close it off here with uh, taking the Carolina Panthers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I'm using the main pinnacle market right now, plus 5.5, minus 122, but you can click that drop-down box. You can get a plus 4.5, minus 110. I think that's playable all the way up to minus 121. Now, typically, I don't like to take bets that I've already steamed a little bit, but I'm using my biggest numbers edge for this week, and this is the one. These teams played on December 3rd, it was week 13. Bucks won by a field goal. The market closed minus three and a half with Tampa at home in that game. In that game, the Bucks had a 32% success rate on offense. They struggled to move the ball on 60 offensive plays. For perspective, Carolina's success rate, 44%. Now let's look at between then and now to see what has changed significantly and whether this number is warranted. Tampa Bay is playing marginally better than their season-long stats. We can't deny that. Forget about last week. Over the course of the last five or six weeks, they've been fine. Their schedule-adjusted efficiency ratings, they're better on both offense and defense. But so are Carolina's. And yes, they got shut out last week at Jacksonville, but they're stretching the field a lot more in the vertical passing game. Their offense has gone from being like a nightmare to being just bad. And that's an improvement enough for me. They could get a defense without Shaq Barrett, who's their best pass rusher, potentially starting corner Carlton Davis, who missed last week as well. And meanwhile, Carolina's D has significantly improved. The secondary is completely healthy. Brian Burns, Eter Gross Matos, healthy on the defensive line. No injury designation for Frankie Louvu. This is a defense that in the middle of the season was extremely beat up, and now they're basically at full strength. I don't think you should blindly bet against teams that need to win this week. But in this instance... I think that there's some serious inflation because Tampa does need to win this game. I haven't even talked about Baker Mayfield, DNP with a rib injury. He's not going to be 100% for this game. I just think it's too many points. So give me the Carolina Panthers. Uh, hopefully they don't look hopeless, but I do like them in this spot against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First time, five best bets on the program this week. Hopefully we're going 5-0. and Hopefully... We're going five and zero. Oh. Uh, as we wrap another episode of Forward Progress here, I do want to take a moment to extend a heartfelt wishes to everyone, each and every one of our viewers out there, uh, for supporting us over the course of the past year. Here's to a year filled with victories, both on and off the field, for everyone who does follow the Forward Progress YouTube channel here. So, happy New Year to everyone. May 2024 uh, be a very good year for each and every one out there. We do appreciate. All of you. For myself, Rob Pizzola, 
for Dr. Eric Eager of Sumer Sports. Make sure you check out Sumer Sports. You do have the league table there if you're looking to bet futures as well. For Suma, for Hitman, for a producer, Jason Cooper behind the scenes. This has been another edition of Forward Progress Best Bets presented by Pinnacle Sportsbook right here on the Hammer Betting Network. Everyone, good luck with your bets this week. Peace out. 